No idea if it works. No idea if it works. <laughs> My name's J.O. Let's just get started. This podcast has been broken up into two videos, one on the Maximizer Medicare channel, the other on Jay's Corner. The link's in the text below. We discuss financial markets as well as all of the crossfire surrounding Medicare. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Jay's Corner. My name is Jay O. I am a certified financial planner. I'm also the author of Maximizer Medicare, the published book. Jay's Corner is there to try to explain how certain financial matters work, to try to help you separate the signal from the noise, so that when something changes, you're not distracted wrongly, and instead, keep your eyes on the ball, which is tough to do given the way that we are given information. There's a free and paid newsletter. Go to jo.substack.com. There are two YouTube channels, Jay's Corner, as well as Maximize Your Medicare. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you digest your podcast. Be sure to leave your comments. Let's begin. Let's just get started. All right. So let's just take a look at what's going on here. Uh, my name's J.O. Thank you very much for joining. For newcomers here, I'm the author of Max Measure Medicare. I'm also, you know, part of a think tank called the Alliance for Lifetime Income. You can see protectedincome.org. I call myself, you know, the water boy of the uh, think tank <laughs> because we got like very highly qualified <laughs> colleagues uh, of mine here uh, on the, <clears throat> inside the think tank, and so you know that that's just that's just I guess my lot in life. Uh, MaximizeYourMedicare.com is the official website for the book. It's here. The website is newly designed. You can see it here. Got new, new updated design. We'll get into some other features of what's inside of the website. You know later today. Two topics. First topic is going to be about financial market stability to start out the year. The second is you know, the Medicare mess is all I could really call it because Medicare is in the headlines. Politicians are involved, uh, all sorts of, you know, and then, of course, you add the media on top and you get a huge amount of crossfire. We're going to try to keep it down uh, in terms of time today. 45 minutes or so at the most. I'm trying to keep it quick and sharp here. All right, so let's just talk about financial markets here. You can see it here. Up here is a graph of three different groups of assets. The gray is QQQ, which is the NASDAQ, the biggest technology companies, Microsoft, Apple, Google, Meta, Tesla, you know, just the names that everyone knows. Uh, strong start to the year, obviously. The blue is the S&P 500, much more muted, but still very, very positive so far for the year. 6.6% on the far right-hand column is your year-to-date return. Reality is, is that if you told me that your year, that your, your, your year's target in a particular year were anywhere in between here, you probably call it a year. We're there in six weeks. And you can ask the question why. Uh, you can certainly ask the question why. And for me, the answer is down here on the purple. The re you know, as 
People who have uh, subscribed to the Substack, people who have subscribed, listen to me talk. Listen to me talk on Jay's Corner. And, and not only that, but and read through the newsletter. Here it is here. Be sure to subscribe to it, jo.substack.com. This is still a world where we have stocks for show, bonds for go. It, it's, it's not going to change from that. right? It's not going to change from that. It's principally still the case. It is simply the case so far this year. So far this year. Oops, let's just change it to this one. So far this year that what we have had is basically the numerator stable. And not only, sorry, I've, I've misspoken, the denominator stable. This bottom part here, R, right, is interest rates. This is the price, this is the construct for the price of anything. It could be your, a stock, it's a bond, it's the value of your real estate rental property. Airbnb, absolutely. Your market price is driven by this Singular formula. My point here is that this purple line is reflecting the idea that the denominator has been this stable all year. And you can see its dramatic effect because if we just back up and, and take a look at different time frames, you'll see how damaging the bond market has been and how the increase in interest rates have altered everything. You can see it here. This is a one-year look. And you can see now that bonds, which people presume to be stable, minus 10% in a year. And in over two years, you can see minus 15%, far worse than the equity market. The issue is, of course, is if you go back then, go back then to this, you'll see that it has affected all risky assets, all of them. The cost, this is why, for example, the used car prices, which many people, you know, have a handle on, everyday people do understand that, you know, you've had some astronomic used car prices. It's down. Why? Because interest rates for borrowing for used cars is now high single digits if you want to take out a loan in order to buy a used car. As a result, of course, the NPV, in other words, the price, declined. So what do you have? Used car market lower. Where I, I highly suspect that that is nowhere close to being finished on that specific sector, maybe the third or fourth inning, maybe more and more to come, not higher, right? Clearly, because the same people who are borrowing are the same people who are, are over levered on credit card debt, etc. There's a reason that you know, unemployment is this low. Pretty much, I think everyone got the, the bell, time to get back to work, We've got bills to pay and loan interest to pay. Critical. That doesn't mean that I'm saying that all debt is bad, by the way. We've, that 
that would be in an entirely different segment, an entirely different video. One that's on my to-do list. Back here. Basically, what has happened here is that the interest rate market has been very stable throughout the beginning of this first six weeks of the year. Very stable. And so much so, you can see this picture here. This is a picture that I kept. Um, let's just see. Let's, let's hope that I didn't that didn't blow it away. Uh, of course, you know, I probably have. Yep, here it is. And here it is. So it's called MOVE, M-O-V-E, and this is bond volatility. And you can see here the lavender line here is low. That even with interest rates themselves higher, you see that the volatility, the up and down, is lower. This is a very important thing because I've stated multiple times here on Jay's Corner. It's the When I'm talking about the denominator, when I'm talking about the denominator here, I'm talking about two aspects. Number one is the level. Number two is the volatility, the speed, the uncertainty of that R moving up and down. Because when R is moving up and down in a violent fashion, it's hard to plan. It's hard to plan. Jay's rib shack doesn't know whether or not he can expand into another branch doesn't. Why? Because I don't know whether or not I can buy a second branch because I've got to borrow in order to finance the purchase of the second branch and expansion. When I don't know what R is, when I don't know what R is, then it's hard for me to plan. Not coincidentally, by the way, deep in the weeds, far out of sight from everyday investors, is the idea that this is a concern of Jay's Rib Shack and every other company. It is not a surprise to me at all that with this amount of stability, with this amount of stability, be as you reflected in this purple, is that purple? That with this amount of stability in the interest rate market, who has borrowed? Companies. Companies have gone to the well in record size. Why? Because they need to plan. The absolute level, if they think that they can make money and beat their cost of borrowing, they borrow. Right? I didn't say that all debt is bad. Volatile debt, volatile borrowing for everyday people is bad. And for companies. So as a result, what have they done? They've taken the stability and borrowed. Use the opportunity of that stability to borrow in size, in massive size. There's your market so far for the year, you know, and basically that also then explains, you know, <laughs> on a micro level, that explains today. That absolutely does explain today. Which is, you can see it here, this is grabbing the headlines here on investing.com. And this is just where I get, you know, generic information. You're not, I'm not gleaning anything too much other, other, to, other than to get information about what the narrative that exists out there is. And you can see here that, yes, Federal Reserve Bank James Bullard says the prospect reverting to larger hikes isn't off the table. 
what would that do? That would change the volatility. So both level and volatility higher is going to create would in that instance, if it were to materialize, result in more unstable R, which means more unstable price of risky assets. That's exactly what you got today. And that's not to say that, you know, any one day can be noise. Absolutely. Can be absolute noise. I understand that. Right. And I'm not saying that, okay, well, this is going to, you know, today's not financial advice. I have no crystal ball. But what I'm saying is that, is it surprising that the market reacted to that particular input? No, it should not be. Right. Nothing has changed from yesterday to today on Microsoft implementation of chat GPT technology in Bing, right? That didn't change. What did change is perceptions, understanding of what's going to happen here on the denominator. And since, and since that was a key input, a key input on the year to the year-to-date returns of this graph here, since that was key, and the fact that this is this purple line here, which is the bond, it's AGG is the ticker, which is the US dollar bond market for all borrowers, including governments and corporates. Since that has been this stable, if that's called into question, then you're going to have questions about the risky assets. Now, I have said this in the past when we've seen massive increases in risky asset prices. It hasn't changed anything. The message isn't different than what I have said in the past. Right there, it's not a coincidence here that I joined this think tank, which is centered on annuities. And the reason for it is because of the fact that this is that window with interest rates this much higher that this spreadsheet which is kind of what i take financial planning clients through step by step year by year figuring out when to accept every aspect of all of the components of your financial life social security in you know your portfolio strategy, approach, timing of RMD, et cetera, et cetera. All, and all of the different elements tax and tax efficiency, that this is that opportunity. I do still believe that, which is that interest rates higher have provided a window for those, for savers, for the stability. Because of the fact that interest rates are higher, these components here, and let me just let me just increase the size here so that it's more readable for the screen. So you can see the far left column. Down here, I put this this row called extra structures. I highlighted it there, and it's in green. And in there are annuity and insurance. And it's not because tomorrow you're going to deposit into these structures to learn about these structures and then become instantly wealthy. No. But they're a component now which are yielding returns 
to add layers of stability and layers of return. And in that same way, you can understand the way that I'm presenting this. The reason that household portfolio, the reason that pension fund portfolios are doing well so far year to date is because of the fact that there's this layer, a big part of their allocation is more stable. It then therefore allows them to take extra risk with what remains. In that same way, you're there now here. 2022 for last year, for what many people don't know, it was a record year for annuity sales. And, you know, as usual, Jay's a very bad, bad, very reluctant salesperson, even though I'd be able to explain every clause in all of annuity and all of IUL, GUL, which are life insurance, you know, life insurance, retirement plans, etc. So while I can explain the language, my real focus here for Jay's Corner and for other people, our clients here, is to, yeah, we can get to the nitty-gritty, but this is your first step. How, what role could it possibly play based on where you're trying to go? What you're trying to accomplish, when, right? You're, you're, your goals, etc., are different at at sixty two versus fifty five, right? Now our now our looks are different, and I'm going to say that my generation, let's just, you know, middle aged generation, here, this is that window for me, which is the combination. It is a possible, possible path for the generation who's going to have the most difficulty, which is my generation. I, I don't think that there's any question. And every passing day, I continue to have that conclusion, right? Which is that the person's thinking about retirement at some point in the future with responsibilities to multiple generations, taking care of senior parents, children, both, and their own generation. So this is the sandwich generation. That's why you know, you know why they coined that phrase. This is a particularly un, uncomfortable time, but a possible path out, which is because of higher interest rates. Now these green structures now re have potential for returns and stability, both which did not exist as little as two years ago. Two years ago, you can remember, 10-year note at 1.5%. Now you're talking about what? 3.8%. Quite a difference. Because that, it doesn't look like much, 2%, but what the companies are doing, the insurance carriers, the offering companies of these, structure, these extra structures, they're using this money in order to enhance the return profile of all the rest of the structures. The annuity structures will look better. The insurance crediting will look notably better as a result of the fact that interest rates are higher. Although I'm diverting, this also means that those persons who are already 
involved in life insurance, for example, index universal life, guaranteed universal life, whole life. It's time to relook at what you have because of the fact that time has passed. And if you can pass underwriting, that the pricing has become more favorable to you and you can avoid certain things. If depending on your situation, you can also access better return profiles if you qualify, if you help go through health underwriting. Anyway, for financial markets, then again, we are back to then the question then going forward here is how long are we going to stay this stable? And you can remember I've said stocks for show, bonds for dough, because it's very closely related cousin. Very closely related cousin is foreign exchange. And what have we seen there? The same. In fact, we've seen a very cooperative market here for dollar assets. Why? Because the dollar is weaker. This blue line is the U.S. dollar index. DXY. And you can see that over that from here, right, you've seen a notable weakening in the U.S. dollar. This stability here, and if we just narrow it down then to the year to date, you see it here. And now you can also see a slight uptick now, but you don't see much movement because when you back up, and you look at the year, you know, we are back now to as all the way back to what is the middle of last year. We don't have a panic selling of foreign currencies. Now, this is important, right? This is this is that idea of why I said stocks for show, bonds for dough, right? There's no comparing. There's no comparing the size of the foreign exchange market to any other market. I have said stocks for show, bonds for dough, but the reality is, is it's more of an illustration about the fact that the bond market dwarfs the stock market and the foreign exchange market laughs at both. And the reason that this becomes so important for the risky asset market, right, as is has been explained to you in the past, right? I've explained it to you here under Jay's corner here where I've talked about the foreign exchange and what happens on foreign exchange, which is that to foreign investors then, U.S. assets have looked cheap. They got cheaper. So as a result, they could allocate into U.S. dollar assets at a lower price when, when denominated in their domestic currency, right? It didn't take me as that many euro in order to buy 100 shares of Tesla. So you can see what has happened, right? The dollar stable at a lower level. Switch your euro into Tesla. Tesla gone up from 100, basically from what? 110 to 210 this year. Explains a lot of... QQQ, by the way, between that, between that and Meta, if you took those two elements out, and I haven't done the math, 
I'd be very curious to see what the rest of the returns look like. As long as these are in place, as long as these are in place, this stability, you're going to, the debate is going to continue to rage, right? Earnings are too, earnings have been disappointing. All the debates here, all of the debates here around the numerator are going to continue to, to fester. We're going to keep having them. You're going to keep turning on CNBC. You're going to keep watching, you know, reading the Wall Street Journal. Where are earnings? Where are earnings? Where are earnings? Earnings have been, you know, squishy at best, right? We don't have any companies like telling you massive blowout in earnings other than what Netflix, right? We don't really have headlines where companies are doing that great. Hasn't mattered. Hasn't mattered. Why? the stability here of the bigger markets. Can this continue? <laughs> There's your $64,000 question, right? I mean, in other words, I'm under the view, under the view that as long as this can stay stable, then, then you can have, you're gonna have up and down because you're gonna have ongoing debates on the numerator. But, as a result of the, the numerator of the denominator being stable, then, yeah, then the debate and numeratorville is going to run the narrative, which can pressure stocks higher for longer than people have thought. And so you've got people all over the place kicking and screaming now, which is this is too far, too fast, short covering this, short covering that. And I've explained that to you on the YouTube shorts. Right, which is basically, you know, baby, baby tomato, mama tomato, papa tomato. Right, so Uma says, you know, ketchup. And you'll have this dynamic because of the way that portfolios get run, mutual fund competition gets run. That's all I'm going to say at the moment for now. Do I think that this is at risk? Of course. Why? Because this purple line, right, we've presumed, we've presumed that the purple line, what is underlying here is the purple line is going to stay stable. And you can see it here, picture number two that many people have seen for, you know, followers, right? If you have lower volatility, your number of outcomes has declined. The window, that blue curve on the right narrows. If it narrows, then the price movement of bonds declines. If that happens, you can have blue and gray. That also means, very similarly, similarly in the spirit of this diagram, the other side of the coin exists, which is if there's something to upset the stability of this purple line. Then what's going to end up happening is you're going to go, oh yeah, and by the way, all of our C1s, which are our earnings per share, they haven't been that great. And now you can unravel. Rather than giving you a, you know, 
a hot take. We are definitely going higher. We're definitely going lower. What's more important here for everyday people, their practical use of everyday people then, for me, is the idea that you understand what you are fit and what you are facing here. That you understand what your risk you're taking. Jay has zero problem if you want to say, Jay, I want to hit a home run. Okay. If you want to swing for the fences because you need to hit a home run, well, and those are the results of your circumstance, you can deal with that. You can. If you're saying, Jay, I can't stomach, ev- I can't stomach the up and down at all for whatever reasons, that's different. In other words, there's a world of difference between you taking risk because you've chosen to take the risk versus you're taking risk and you didn't know what risk you were taking, right? The first one is completely acceptable, completely acceptable. You've got your own priorities you've, that, that are none of Jay's beeswax. You've got your own amb- ambitions, objectives, right? Those aren't my, <laughs> I don't have a vote. I, I don't want to vote, right? That's your money. What I'm trying to keep you away from is the fact that you look at your statements and you go, I didn't know these were the risks that I was taking. And nobody looks at it when it's up, right? Well, from for the basically the last 18 months, a very, very tough road. A very tough road. In other words, I'm looking for that stability. If it doesn't have that stability, then, and you can see it here, this is that video that I keep referring back to on Henri, and this was about the hurricane that hit during, you know, last year. Last year. Two years ago. 2021. Right. We saw the misgivings here because basically what I was saying was these curves relative to each other, they started to get messed up. Ultimately, that's the bottom line of what I was saying at that time, creating this video and then 2022 occurred. Wasn't a huge surprise. The issue is now, last year, 2022, these numbers, qualified funds, IRA, you know, depending on who you ask, the summary statistics basically tell you that, you know, targeted retirement funds, etc., IRAs, minus 20%. For me, that would have been too much, right? In other words, for example, the stable avoided it because we knew about this. We, without being predictive, we were observing this. Like, you know, we are not getting paid enough in order to accept this amount of risk and what could happen. So now you can understand this is a world of difference, right? Because from 100, if you were at 80 versus at the end of 2022, right? Now you're at best, what, 88 Versus if you were at 90 at the end of 22, you're now at 94, 95. That seven is enormous. 
every single digit here is huge because you're trying to let this money stretch all the way out for however long your objectives will be. And now you can, of course, understand why these, this green row here, which is that any numbers in here, adding a layer of stability, allow you to accept further up and down. Why? Because J's sole objective, the sum. I don't care how we got there. I want us to get there to the spot that you want to go to arrive without taking risks that you didn't sign up for to the degree to the greatest degree possible. That's the critical fact. Okay. Questions, anything like that, please feel free. Emails, you can send me, you can see how terrible I'm at market. I only have my email underneath the, on the contact details there. Info at gh2benefits.com. Uh, gh2 there are links in the video, in the text below the video. I'm sure of it. That, that part I probably did mess up. All right, that's enough for financial markets for today. Now, now, now. Let's see here. The, the, this, is, this is the newest uh, information or you know, releases, if you will. You can see fairly recent. EBRI is a think tank. I don't get to throw rocks at think tanks anymore, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> don't get me wrong. It, it's not because of the qualifications of the people behind. It's kind of more of a question about, you know, are there other agendas involved here? Okay, or the presentation of facts and how even-handed is it or not. That's the scrutiny that I'm adding in Jay's Corner, right? Because it's, whether you know it or not, what ends up happening is confirmation bias is everywhere. And so you'll read a sentence that agrees with your original point of view. And then you'll just say, yeah, see, there's my evidence, right? He agreed with me, of course. And, you know, that's part of a think tank there, right? EBRI has projected savings of Medicare beneficiaries need remained high in 2022. And down here, it gives you some summary statistics, right? A 65-year-old man enrolled in Medigap need to have saved 96000 in order to have 50% chance of enough premiums. And if you want to hit in a woman, 116. And if you want to have a 90% chance, you need $166,000. Okay. These are big numbers, obviously. They're also kind of misleading for me. This entire set of statistics here does two things. It does one thing well, which is it sets expectations about the fact that health insurance is expensive stuff. That health insurance itself is expensive. It's going to be expensive if anyone has followed the channel because of the fact of the way that I drew the hockey stick diagrams, which I have forgotten to, you know, include here, right? In other words, if you have a billion dollars of health insurance bills, of healthcare cost bills, your, your out-of-pocket expenses are capped at the out-of-pocket maximum limit. $10,000, let's just say, for plans in the, under the Affordable Care Act. You're not paying the extra hundreds of thousands of dollars 
of healthcare costs if you incur them and you have health insurance. People don't understand this fact. They don't understand the way that I've died and drawn this diagram. So as a result, they go, okay, they just see the sticker price and say, okay, it's a ripoff. Tell that to the person with, you know, prostate cancer survivor when they see the bill and they see what their actual cost is after insurance. Talk to them about it is what I would encourage somebody to, to do. But let's continue on with the article. Right, this is the high end, this is the deep end of the pool here, definitely EBRI as far as think tanks go. And you'll see in many different locations in uh, in the coming months, I am very certain that this particular study will be quoted as the source for see, here's why you have to this, here's why you have to that, and different partisan groups are and we're gonna get into that. See you know, health insurance companies are a ripoff or, you know, the U.S. has too high health care costs. People are going to twist these statistics in to fit the narrative that they're trying to preach. That's the way the world works now, unfortunately. Anyway, the bottom line here is that 116 and 96 are big numbers, and I'm not disputing any of that. It's also mis so it's good from the fact that it's shedding light on the idea that health insurance can be expensive and you're trying to and you want to have it for a very long period of time. It's misleading because it presents it as if you need all the money today. You don't. You don't, right? I'm going to eat a million dollars worth of food by the time that I die. I'm very sure from the time of now, unless I get hit by a car tomorrow, let's hope not. That doesn't mean that I need a million dollars in a slush fund in order to have for groceries for the rest of my life today. It doesn't, right? Because during that time, people are saying, okay, well, you're receiving social security. You're taking out from retirement plans. You may still be working beyond the age of 65. So this is a little, a little bit alarmist for me. This isn't for me, and I you know, encourage people because most people know that while I try to point out negatives so that your eyes are wide open, that is different than me being you know, David Downer. That's not what I'm doing here. I'm pointing out the fact that this number looks big but stretched over 30 years and then defrayed against other income sources isn't as big as it would appear. There's not only that, but as I read down here, um, this is the, uh, I am going to say this about this particular article, which is that, so I, what, what happened is I, I wanted to see the, their math. I did want to see their math here. And I, I generally want to see the math because I don't like like taking these summary statistics and accepting them at face value by themselves. I, I just don't. And the reason is this one here. Representing an extreme case, an ex a couple with particularly high prescription drug will have need to have saved 383,000 to have 90% chance. So 383 is what they're saying if you have very high drug costs, okay? And 
3.18, right, if you have not high, high prescription drug costs. So what you're talking about here, you're talking about $65,000 extra. So $65,000 extra divided by, let's call it 25, 30 years of retirement. You can see it because we're also going to have a cap here as a result of the Inflation Reduction Act. Remember, one of the, for me, by far, the most outstanding feature of the Inflation Reduction Act passed last year is the fact that beginning in 2025, the out-of-pocket expenses for Part D, standalone prescription plans, and your prescription drug benefits inside of a Medicare Advantage plan will be capped, hard cap at $2,000, and then indexed for inflation, which is a tremendously low number. I just can't even express to you the fact that how vital that that will be because not only is it it's not only that low because now it's well over seven thousand dollars but in addition to that it's capped so there's also no volatility so remember very much in the same vein that i was talking about it's not only level but it is also the uncertainty you can see it in real life effect right which is that you can then see the fact that what I'm saying is the Inflation Reduction Act has not only lowered it, but it has stabilized your expectation planning set here. So actually, for me, this is a lot, you know, quite encouraging to be candid with you because this number in the, in the absence of the Inflation Reduction Act can be astronomically higher astronomically higher. You can understand that, right? Insulin be prior to the Inflation Reduction Act running for 20 years, right? With inflation and without the Inflation Reduction Act, you know, this number here, this first digit's the wrong number, easily. You could be low by 200,000 when you're talking about 20 years, for sure. Let's continue on here because I wanted to point out this fact before we segue into the next portion of this Medicare talk, if you are retirement planning talk. Although there's a significant individual variation, enrollees of Medicare Advantage generally have lower savings targets. A man enrolled Medicare Advantage would have saved 50, would need to have saved 56,000 to have 50% chance and 96,000 to have 90% chance. So you can see it here that what he, they said, right, is that the man needs 96000 under Medicare Advantage. That same man would have needed 166000 under Medigap. And this has been my point. This has been my point. Which is, and why I wanted to see their math. I'm not disputing the fact that there's a difference. I'm not. 
and you'll see lots of other snippets in the news. For newcomers to Medicare, you'll see this is your number one choice, right? Medigap versus Medicare Advantage, no question. That this person is saying, that in order, this think tank is saying, look, 166000 if you have Medigap to have a 90% chance of, have, of meeting your health care spending. 166. Okay. Under Medicare Advantage, 96. This is $70,000. And more than $70,000, this is what? Almost half? It's 70 out of it's 70 out of 166. So you math jocks out there, your arithmetic jocks, this is this isn't math, right? This is arithmetic. There's a big difference, right? Math is the squiggly lines and theorems. <laughs> what, what we're doing here is arithmetic. It's 42% lower. 42% lower. And this is my point here. Is that this is why I reject, like, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell this to every single person. Is I'm like, look, if you're in the camp that says that there's never a situation where you take Medicare Advantage or that Medicare Advantage is, is, should be dismissed out of hand. I'd give you, oh, I would give you 70,000 reasons, reasons why that analysis is wrong. To discard Medicare Advantage as a viable option does not make sense. You know somebody in your neighborhood who could use this amount of money over a long period of time. First of all, the very well-off would also appreciate $70,000, right? No question. To the person without retirement savings, living on Social Security alone, check to check, and for their lifetime, what do they need? They need lower ongoing bills today, today, right? And you can see it here. This is a non-trivial number, 40% lower. And because of that, when you add that to a personal, someone's personal situation, you can very rationally come up to the idea that Medicare Advantage deserves very close attention. This may, this last few sentence, sentences, right, may sound like I'm saying that Medicare Advantage is, you know, superior. I, I didn't say that, right? <laughs> in other words, when I present in public, I usually stop for a moment and say, and I'll say it again here. I'm going to say what I'm going to say, and I won't retract that right? Unless like in manifest human error, right? By that same token, I don't mean more than what I'm going to say. I don't mean more. In other words, I'm going to give you an inch and I'm going to give you an inch only. I'm not going to give you two inches. I'm not going to give you three inches. I didn't mean to give you a foot. I meant to give you that inch, what ends up happening, sadly, unfortunately, is that people want to say, 
I thought you met, you said X. I said, no, I said Y. You stretched it and changed it into X. It's very important for me as a communicator, right, to make sure that this is very clear, which is, you know, I'm trying to, to, to talk as if, okay, I'm an everyday person, just, you know, I've got two eyes, you know, just like everyone else, two arms, two legs. That's true. All of that's true. And I'm trying to have, you know, our, our communications, these videos out in free use because of the fact that, you know, I think that everyday people are, have the common sense to understand. That said, that doesn't mean that I want people to stretch what I say into something else. In fact, a lot of my actual editorial comments are not going to appear here in public. They're only going to be behind the paid substack. Why? Because you can now understand, now that I've actually added other organizations' names other than my own, right? Which is, you know, there's going to be, op there's openmedicare.com, there's the Alliance for Lifetime Income, right? We're not going to get my tongue deeply in, in cheek, you know, comments as frequently. It takes quite a bit of effort. You know, my tongue bleeds some days because I, I've had to keep the snark away. But the reality is, is that, is that in sincerity, I don't want people to have the misunderstanding and get the, and get the wrong message. And the reason I slowed down here, right, is that I'm going to go back over here now to the new Maximize Your Medicare website is I've talked about the fact that Medicare Advantage can have tremendous savings and that a lot of the articles, you know, there was one article during last year, the middle of last year, by Kaiser Health News, which is the top of the healthcare costs web uh, think tanks, but said that, you know, costs incurred under Medicare Advantage are higher than under original Medicare. Yeah. I agree for that year. I, I'm not disputing, you know, that that could be the outcome for that year. I didn't say every year running, right? We are living in multiple years. And my point here is that this D, health-related, when I add all up the sum of this orange here, it is not a surprise to me that we have found that this think tank has actually pointed out that over time that this difference of $70,000 in cost superiority under Medicare Advantage can exist. That is absolutely positively can be the case. Why? Because you're paying for Medigap premium here. And you're not necessarily going to the doctor and using healthcare, getting incurring healthcare costs. Now, that all said, that doesn't mean that the that Medicare Advantage isn't going to be without controversy. I have compared Medicare Advantage versus Medigap. <laughs> probably 50 times, right? I think that, I think that we're up to like 160 videos on the Maximize Your Medicare channel, okay? Anyway, you can see it here. 
right? The point of Medigap entirely, this is the, this is the Medicare, uh, Maximize Your Medicare website, right? What you do here is you go into Medicare info. It's under the Medicare info. Tons of information. We're going to get, get into that later. Be sure to check it out. Anyway, here are the Medigap coverage. The point of this is not what is covered. It isn't. It's not the fact that the Part A coinsurance and hospital costs are covered. It's not the idea that, you know, the Medicare Part B coinsurance or copayment of 20% is covered. That is not it. What is it is what I've stated here in Max Measure Medicare as the cover of below my below my uh, picture there, bottom left of your screen. Amazon's still selling it for what eight dollars. My goodness, <laughs> it's like goes to show you how little money I make from, from the sale of a book. That's pathetic. Anyway, uh, this this is not a pity. This is not Jay's pity party. Uh, your paying higher premium for the fact that this grid doesn't move period grandfathered standardized those are your takeaways those are the takeaways from maximize your medicare in every edition since the 2013 edition the first is that those are the two features the premium will change based on a regulated number because it's got to be approved by the state regulator, right? And it's subject to hyper-competition. You'll be able to see further comments in the coming week about what can only be described as price war in Medigap. Medigap is now cheaper today for a 65-year-old than a 65-year-old five years ago. It's cheaper. Right. As a result of the hyper competition. But what the features you're paying for under Medigap here are those the fact that this grid does not change, period, no matter what. And this is a very important feature here because it's going to come, come into the last portion of what I'm going to describe here and talk about today, which is the incredible amount of political noise that is going on around Medicare and then also the headlines around Medicare Advantage, right? Which is that since these boxes don't move, you know where you are in three years time. You know where you are in five years time. You know that even if the backdrop of your Medicare Advantage card changes, your Medicare, your red, white, and blue card, excuse me, I just misspoke. No matter what the changes to Medicare are, Part A, Part B, and they will change. The premiums will change. There can be other changes. That Medigap covers the balance, the end, and no one can eject you from it. The only one that can eject yourself is yourself. Pretty sure that's the incorrect, <laughs> incorrect sentence grammatically, right? The only one that can cancel Medigap is you, period. That's it, right? For that, you're paying a higher tax. You're paying the tax for the stability. You're not paying the tax for superior coverage necessarily. You're not paying the higher tax because 
you're not paying the tax because your overall savings under existing regime is superior. No, I wouldn't have said that, right? And this think tank, EBRI, is revealing it to you. 166 for a man, 96 under Medicare Advantage. Non-trivial amount for those persons where $70,000 is a lot of money over time. Does that mean that Medicare Advantage is always superior? No, it doesn't. Because if you knowingly are going to hit the out-of-pocket maximum every single year, then this EBRI number here is going to be wrong. It's going to be wrong. You know who you are. You've lost the DNA coin flip. You know who you are. Your job at the hut, you're 700 pounds, three foot five, you eat rats. Right? In other words, you're Mr. Sickalot. You're Mr. Sickalot, you know it. You have $10 million in your bank account. Okay. You hand over the because you value the stability more. You live check to check. You're Mr. Perfect. You're Miss Perfect. It's a lot different. It's a lot different. It's simply the fact that you cannot just simply say, okay, always Medicare Advantage or always Medigap. You know, the idea of never to me is just, it, it's more of a statement about how extreme our society is. You know, we don't have, <laughs> I'm under the cap that people have common sense. Never ever isn't really a phrase that we should be using. Okay. That all said on the $70,000 $70, savings, clear, right? I mean, and again, I would love to see the math here. I mean, I, I know that the, there's a difference, right? That's not, that is not a surprise to me at, at all, right? Over time, yes. That said, Medicare Advantage is, is the feature that you're paying for under Medigap, continues to be true. In other words, under Medigap, you're paying for the fact that this grid doesn't move. Under Medicare Advantage, the grid is going to move. And you can see it in the headlines now. Here it is. So Avalier is, you know, the high end of, you know, research firms, consulting firms, I'm not going to tell you they're completely unbiased. You know, their constituents are carriers. Okay. But basically what has happened is the fire and the fact that half of the Medicare population is going to be on Medicare Advantage and all of the negative noise around Medicare and crossfire around Medicare Advantage. You can see examples here. You can see the examples. Mm here right big big groups credible groups examining medicare advantage examining cost overrun and then now as a result you see you know further scrutiny of medicare advantage and then you can see the summary here and we're, i'm not going to read you this incredibly technical information here 
but who, due to changes pr proposed, enrollees in Medicare Advantage could have higher premiums and fewer benefits in 2024 than 2023. Is this possible? The answer is yes. It's possible. And this is my point, right? Which is the very thing. If money were your only fact that you were trying to save, that were the only matter, then does that make this different? Probably not. Probably not. Right, because out of $70,000 of one year is $1,000 more than under Medigap. The next year, you're not, you don't go to the doctor at all, and now all of a sudden you saved yourself $3,000. And back and forth, and you do this over time, that was the point on, you know, I'm very sure that that's the point of how they came up with this difference in projections. That's not going to say mean that every year that Medicare Advantage is going to improve. I didn't also say that either. Is that under Medicare Advantage, under Part D, both annual contract. That means every detail subject to change. You cannot get away from the inherent differences between Medicare Advantage and Medigap. And while you can control to some degree, your health, right? I'm not talking about your DNA, right? That, you know, as far as I know, you can't switch your DNA, right? Okay, Jack Daniels before 10 a.m., probably not a great health care, you know, advice. Okay, fine. That's the stuff that I'm talking about. That people have this idea that, okay, well, you're the one in full control. You're not. No way. There are other forces here that have to do with demographic and fiscal reality. And those that, that demographic and fiscal reality is the fact that we've got a population that is peak 65 next year. Peak 65 year is next year. And you have half the people in the population involved in the Medicare population involved in Medicare Advantage of some sort, whether that be a retiree plan whether you have an individual Medicare Advantage plan. The result of that, then, is going to be stresses and moving parts on all the details. And then you have the federal government, which is then facing what is then facing astronomic huge costs. And here's the summary, and this is going to, we'll end it. We're almost to the end, but we're to the interesting parts here because I'm going to give you a, a lens on how to look through all of the mudslinging that is going on. It's like unbelievable. What to know about Medicare spending and financing. So we've got a bunch of big, big numbers here. You can see it here. Medicare accounts 21% of total national health spending. That's not that surprising. Right, this is not that surprising, right? Because older persons, everyone getting older on the planet, older you are, the more likely you are to require healthcare services compared to 27-year-old Mr. Perfect. This is makes total intuitive sense. 10% of the federal budget, pretty high. Pretty high. Also, however, not and then when you add Medicaid ACA and children insurance, 19%, 9 plus 10, 
19%. But to give you an idea here is, you know, you can see going between part A and part B. Mm, I don't really care to be candid with you on this type of bar graph. This isn't that instructive to me. People saying, oh, let's see, we've driven down part A from 47 to 37. Yeah, well, that's because, you know, I can easily create the narrative there. Very easily. Why? Because my outpatient, because my hip replacement surgery used to be inpatient 100% of the time, and now I can have be in and out in a day, and that's handled by outpatient, covered by Part B. In other words, these statistics here can be, you know, misleading to some degree. I wouldn't call this evidence of, oh, see, we're controlling costs on Part A. I wouldn't call that at all. What I would say here, though, is this. This is, for me, the interesting graph of this article. We're in 2022. You can see it that the amount spent by federal, by the U.S. government on for people under original Medicare, 427 billion. This is B. And 420 million on Medicare Advantage. 420 million on Medicare Advantage. Now, a couple of things here. It, it does show you, first of all, it gives you the enormity of the numbers, right? $420 billion on Medicare, so what, $847 billion, 847 in 2022, right? <clears throat> and now you can see what I'm saying over here. I see things like this article here. Did your health plan rip, you, rip off Medicare, etc., etc., and Recently, we've had a re-rating, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment, right? So you can see overcharged, KHN reported, overcharged. So by the way, right, it didn't, it glossed over the fact that it undercharged also. But anyway, let's continue on. When you add all this stuff up, right, they would, since said they could recoup an estimated 650 million from 90 audits. The reality is is that number came in lower, something like 490 million. And it just goes to show you, you know, maybe it's just a human nature thing. Maybe it's just a human nature thing, do you think? Could be, right? You know, numeratorville exists everywhere. <laughs> it's, it's not only over here, you know, when people are thinking about financial markets and, and financial evaluation, right? Okay, this looks like a big number, 650 million, and I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's nothing, okay? But if, if you look at 650 million and you divide it by what? 427 billion? Point one five percent. When you scale this correctly, right? If someone told you in any finance on any matter where there was uncertainty involved, let's just say it's to eighteen. 
right? At that point is two two hundred thirty six. So so I've 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 overstated it. Oops. So what was the number? Two hundred thirty six billion. So now it's two hundred thirty six billion. So the amount that the government is going to claw back as a result of the audit is point two seven percent. Point two seven five. Point two seven five percent. Name me any business that is accurate to the ninety nine point seven five percent level of accuracy. Go. Any any exercise of estimation where this number is this close to a hundred percent. You see what I'm saying? The headlines, you know, the, the headlines look snazzy. I get it. Rip off. I've used rip off as the verb. Then we then we actually look at the actual math, the actual facts. You get six hundred and fifty million. Yeah, that's a big number. Don't get me wrong. That that is a big number. The United States government, the federal budget, should get this back. Sure, I'm not disputing that. To go from six hundred and fifty million, which was ninety nine point seven, which is point two seven five percent accuracy error. I don't know. <laughs> if I brought home an exam and it, and I was 99.945 correct, right? I'd be asking for a medal. I'd be asking for a lot more than for a medal, actually. Instead, well, my mother calls me abject failure. <laughs> but yeah, some, some things I'll never outgrow. But you can see my point here. That this just num this is just you know, wild distortion and wild representation, misrepresentation of something calling something else a ripoff. Ripoff. That, that's the term you would use. That is not the term that I would have used. They didn't say, did your health plan rip off Medicare and say answer it as no. They just leave it as a teaser there. And I get it. We live in clickbait society. We live in clickbait nation. But you can understand the firestorm. You know, this is not even a molehill. This is two grains of sand. Much less a mountain. That also, <clears throat> even that, even that, in other words, you want to try to drive down the number as reported here. If you're trying to drive this number, these numbers down, right? Medicare benefits spending down, right? As part of the federal budget. Yeah, we can change all of this. And Medicare Advantage, higher premiums on fewer benefits. Is it going to change this for everyday people? I don't think so. I don't think so, right? I mean, in other words, you could say that lower payments to Medicare Advantage plans is going to cut, ben is going to cut benefits. 
the problem is is that w there's not only one carrier, right? You're in Hillsborough County outside of Tampa. You're looking at what, 115 Medicare Advantage plans? 115. I, and I'm low there, I'm pretty sure. I think it was like 126 or something like that. I can't remember since, you know, I've not looked at it since the uh, annual election period last year. So, yeah, can we have fewer plans? Yeah. <laughs> if you're in Hillsborough County, you'll be thankful, right? In other words, you're just not going to, the competition is so fierce that even this could be swatted away. But at 1% lower, let's just say, for example, you know, and there, this number here is under some debate of minus 2.27%. But at this number here lower, is this still making headway here? You know, in in this scale, okay, we're we're one we're, you're one percent lower, two percent lower on four seventy three. That's ten billion dollars. That's nowhere near the amount of savings we need, in order to drop this number lower. Do I have proposals on how you to drop it lower? Yeah. I do. Am I able to show them, share them in public? Nope. Can't do that. Um, I, I would say that it gives you an idea, a feeling, a flavor for how far off track we are on the noise. And here's the final point. I, 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 unfortunately, the other day I was on Twitter and I, and I searched for a hashtag Medicare. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> please, please don't. It will be so disheartening for you to type in and search term as hashtag Medicare under Twitter. The amount of distortion and partisan fire, firebombing of each other is like incredible. One side, one person accusing that person of this, that, or the other, okay? And you can see here in NPR how seniors could lose in, in the Medicare political wars. And again, I, I find this misleading as well. And not, nothing against this particular. Julie Rovner, for example, she works at KHN. You can see it here. And you've already heard me state that, you know, Kaiser Health News is... You know, it and Commonwealth Fund are the top two for me in terms of presentation of, you know, researched facts about healthcare cost and health insurance markets in general, right? I don't, as you can see, not every single article, I like you can obviously hear, I don't, I am not a fan of the idea that they use the word rip off here, right? rip off unless you meant by 0.28%, 0.28%. Anyway, I'll get off that one. I'll get off that one. Uh, let's just say here, losing the Medicare political wars. I, I'm just going to try to have people understand, and this will be the closing message, which is that don't, don't be distracted. This is going to happen, and people are going to name call, right? 
your name calling about the bug on a leaf, on a twig, on a tree, in a forest, right? The big issue here is the fact that it, you would need overhaul in order to dramatically change the way, you know, in, in order to dramatically change this, in order to change this, in order to change this, right? You're talking about eight hundred twenty-nine billion. So you're saving what two billion, two billion, three billion? You save three billion, you're saved three percent. That's less than that's way less than a ten-year note auction, which happens like every month. So that's just not a big number. You're going to need a lot different changes, which you don't necessarily control. Nevertheless, the idea that you're going to have, you're going to have, you know, one party solely responsible and the one part, one person, like this is the root of all evil, trying to gut the entire you're going to have competition for control of the narrative, for sure. But I do agree with what she concluded this with this article, which is that, <clears throat> let's just see here at the end. Oops. Be nice if I ever went to the right article. <clears throat> that here at the end, you know, this is an article is talking, and, and I'll, I'll, put the, I'll put the links in the, but, right, Medicare and Social Security can't be fixed until both sides lay down their weapons and start talking. But every time a politician unsheathes their talking points about Medicare cuts, that truth seems less and less possible. On that one, Ms. Revener gets my compliments, right? Because I agree with that observation. Better for beneficiaries, better for people for financial planning is to deal with the understanding of Medicare understanding about Medicare Advantage, Medigap, what their choices are, what they are actually selecting and why. And the reason you're doing that is so that you are accepting the risks and or not so that it fits within your context here, which is this line on health-related expenses so that you are doing what? So that you are getting the greatest household net worth over time in the widest numbers of scenarios. If you've done that, then you've taken the message of maximize your Medicare and applied it to your wider financial set of goals and objectives. All right, that's enough for today. I'm exhausted, as usual. 750, 720, I've made it. I tried to hit 45 minutes today, five minutes over. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channels. So important. Uh, you know, I know that the message isn't, you know, pretty 10 minute glossy, nice thumbnail and all that. I, 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 if somebody wants to volunteer and do that, you know, please, I'm all here. Oh, by the way, if you have, oh, we'll talk about uh, grandchildren and, and uh, college saving and 
you know, very shortly. That's the next step uh, on the short list of projects. But reality is, if you got young people who want to volunteer and you know do something creative to put on their resume for internships and things like that, I'm all ears. Absolutely. I'm Jay. This has been Maximize Your Medicare, Jay's Corner. Be sure to like, subscribe. Hopefully you will like today. Talk with you next time. Be sure to subscribe to the Substack, J-O dot substack dot com.